What's going on, guys? Welcome back to No Reserves Radio. I'm your host, Ren. With me, as always, Angelo. Austin is not here today. Uh, as you always. Had you had him for a couple weeks. He, he's almost done with basketball, and then he'll be back. That's what he told me. That was his plan to be more active in the future. Um, so that, that'll be... Quote-unquote plan. Uh, it's, it's a path forward. That's what I'll say. Um, fun episode today. Well, <laughs> it's weird to say with the first news we've got. Um, we'll start with sad news. We'll get that out of the way, hopefully. I, f- I feel like that's respectful to do. Um, Warriors team dinner the other night. Uh, there was a medical emergency. Dilan Milovic. I, we've spent the last 10 minutes trying to make sure we knew how to say it, and I'm pretty sure I just said it wrong. Um, had a medical emergency. Um, the the team, all the players were there, the coaching staff, everyone. Dude was 47 years old. Um, they thought he was, I believe, choking. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, as I don't think there's information out yet. It, w- it was a heart attack, correct? Yes. The reports I... Red said it was a heart attack. Also, our ages were different. I got 46, you said 47. Uh, well, I said 47 off of memory. Like, I had just got the breaking news when we were talking about it in the group chat. Um, Then that's just stuck in my head or whatever. So, yeah, he's 46, or was 46 years old. Um, Rough time for the team, obviously. Uh, They were, the league was going to just delay the start of the Mavs versus Warriors game, but we're at the point now they've canceled or I guess postponed two of the Warriors games, which is completely understandable. One of their coaching staff members passed away very young in front of the entire team. Um, so completely understandable. Um, I'm sure there are people that are not understanding that had parlays bet on that and don't care about the fact that someone died, but yeah, sad news, sad news. It really does kind of highlight how fragile life really is, though, because this is a, I, I would assume, wealthy individual with access to probably pretty high-tier medical care, given the fact that he is part of an NBA organization. And it just it's kind of scary. It can happen at any time to anyone. But... That's life. Um, I guess there's not really a lot of NBA news. The big NBA news is going to be a whole segment for the first part of this episode. So do you want to just get right into that? Sure. So before we do that, so we haven't done a question of the week in a long time. It it just kind of got kind of boring with it just being you and me. So instead, what I'm going to do is, going forward when it's just Ren and Angelo, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share with you an interesting fact. It's kind of a running joke that I, I know ridiculous information that no one needs to know and I don't need to know. So we're going to have a fun fact of the week now. So oh, do, you, do, do you have anything like edible, like within reach of you, like... In the package or drinkable or whatever. Yep. 
Okay, so do you, you turn it around and you see the nutrition label? Yep. Okay, so serving size, what do you think that means? What, what do I think serving size means? A, I'm guessing a. that is the portion that is suggested for you. Wrong. That's what everyone thinks. So there's a d difference between the recommended nutrition and the suggested serving size. And the suggested serving size is based on what the average person eats in one sitting of that product. So like that I before you got here because I was waiting for Angela, I was eating some uh chips and salsa. And on the back of my bag of chips, it says the recommend or the average serving size is eight chips, and I just ate half the bag. That's what got me thinking about There's that. no way eight chips is the average one person does in a sitting. I don't believe you. I don't believe that. No, no. You I don't believe it. Google it. No. Google it. You, you know, I, I don't care if it's right. I don't care if it's right. There is no way in hell that the average person consumes so, eight chips when they open a jag of chips. So you have I don't believe think, it. You have to think about what average means, right? Because if, if you're you about, about who are these fucking crazy people who just take one chip and eat it like a five year old? No, oh. no. And these are tortilla chips. They're larger than just like potato chips. That's like most bags of potato chips. It's like 17, 18. Okay. But yeah, okay, that, that's, that's, I, that's, I, I was I, I'm talking tortilla chips. Did you think I was eating like sour cream and cheddar and salsa? Something like that, yeah. I'm an idiot. I'm not that dumb. Um I I have a Lay's bag in my entry room. I will get it now and I will look. I you will be surprised. It's oh, probably my. like 17 or 18. It's probably listed in grams, actually. Um, Which, actually, this works because I don't have something pulled up that I need to have pulled up. Okay. Serving size. <laughs> serving size. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Serving size of the salt and vinegar Lay's chip. About 17 chips. No, 17 chips. See, I was right. Because guess how many I eat? Typically, like, one handful. 17 or 18. That's uh, not normal. Now, that's not saying I can't just, like, destroy the bag. Like, I could eat that whole bag in one sitting. But, like, if I'm just, like, snacking, the 17 is about right. Just grab 17 while I'm walking, like, upstairs or something. I don't know. Um, so anyway, the big news today, very near and dear to my heart, the Indiana Pacers acquire Pascal Siakam in a trade with the Raptors and Pelicans. Um, so let, we'll break down the trade real quick, and then we'll we'll talk about it. Um, so obviously the Pacers are acquiring, acquiring Pascal Siakam and a second round pick. The where it is Toronto Raptors. The no, the New Orleans Pelicans received, I believe, a 2024 second round pick. The Raptors received Kira Lewis, Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara, and three first round picks. So, how do you feel for, about Jordan Wara going? So, <laughs> I love the idea of Jordan Wara. Okay, I just I'm not sure 
There's a lot of career left of Jordan Awara. I'm not, he's not a terrible basketball player by any stretch of the imagination. The issue I have with Jordan Awara is the fact that Jordan Awara has never seen a shot that he didn't like. Sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah, it, he really does embody Angelo mindset because there's like memories that I have of him driving baseline into three people. He's got a wide open buddy healed in the corner. He went for the contested layup. Um, He's he's just he plays with the same kind of out of control mindset that like Russell Westbrook has. It's it. Th- I read someone say he has Damian Lillard's level of confidence and Jordan Noir's level of skill, and I completely agree with it. Um, Bruce Brown, obviously the best piece going to the Raptors in this trade, unless you highly value draft picks, which we'll talk about those in a second. Um, he's on a one-year one contract. So he has one year. He's He's got this year, and then it's a team option. No, no, I mean, what year are, years are the picks? Um, that's... Duh, duh, duh. So Indiana's 2024 first-round pick. And the worst of, and listen to these teams, Utah, Houston, Clippers, OKC. That's going to be a late lottery pick. And then the third is for 2026 from Indiana. No, no, it's not. No, it's not. What? You said worst of. You said worst of. That means it's probably going to be OKC who's in the playoffs. No, it's the lower. It's the worst pick. I thought worst meant whatever, like, the highest pick is. And best. It's written well, as, it's written as the and even if it is Utah, Houston, LA, and OKC are all going to finish outside of the lottery as of now. Yeah, it's fair. Um, but the way it's written is it's the lower like valued pick of those. Okay. And then it's the twenty twenty six pick from Indiana. So next year's Indiana pick is likely outside of the lottery. We can pretty safely assume that they're currently solidified in a playoff spot the lesser of the utah let's let's assume it's a 20 to 26 pick and then what you're hoping for is the pacers re-sign pascal siakam they're going to be a perennial playoff threat while tyrese halliburton is here regardless so that 2026 it's fairly safe to assume will not be a lottery pick how do you feel from a raptors standpoint getting three non-lottery first-round picks. I mean, to be quite honest with you, when you have players of the caliber of, like, Anthony Davis was one and Pascal Siakam, like, you're going to be sending them to competing teams. Right. That's just That's just the way it works. Right. The the hope of trading for multiple picks in multiple years is not that. Yeah, either flip them or hope one of the years that that season goes goes like belly up, catastrophically. Yeah, catastrophically. Now, so the I don't mind is, the deal. I don't mind the, the deal actually for Toronto. The problem with that is I don't. Unless I'm mistaken, did the 
Toronto Raptors not trade their own first round pick this year for Jakob Pertle? Because they said it was Masai that said this was a weaker draft. They were trading out of it and they were bringing in Jakob Pertle. So bottoming out at this point kind of seems strange to me because like you said, when you're tra- trading a star caliber player, you're trading them to a contender or a, a competing team. So you're not going to get good draft yes. capital back. The 2024 first-round pick currently belongs to the San Antonio Spurs. So the most value you're getting when you're trading a player that's going to go out and win you some games is to your own draft pick. But they don't own their own draft pick. So I don't know. Like, this is going to be a trade for the Raptors that I think hindsight is going to kind of shine a light on because they could have traded Pascal last summer and probably got a lot more. And they really probably should have traded Pascal and OG a little earlier because they would have got more value for him. Given the fact that Pascal and his agent have been on record of saying, you know, we, we're we not going to give a commitment to any team. We want to test free agency. You are trading for bird rights. I think Toronto got the best deal they were going to get. But I, I don't, don't know. know I don't know it's if given hindsight, it's the best possible deal because our Bruce Brown is a quality NBA player, correct? Yeah, yeah, I'm not saying that. Plus three first round picks, plus a young project player, plus yeah, Kira Lewis. 25. But we've seen flashes. Yeah, fair. What What do you think another competing team would have offered? Because I think it would be a similar package. I guess that's fair. Because you're not going to trade like like we were we were talking about it last week where I said I would not trade Jarris Walker or Benedict Matherin for him. Like I'm not giving up a young piece for a potential rental. Now, given the fact that NBA agents and sports agents in general tend to be a little on the um salesman. Yeah, they 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 probably seem to be more leaking that they weren't going to re-sign with whoever because all the reports coming out now are Pascal's excited to extend with the Pacers this summer. And granted, they have his bird rights now. That's what you were trading for. They can because, pay him the most. Yeah. yeah, they can pay him like $60 million more. At, at um, the same time, like, I don't know how much I would believe reports. Like, until he puts pen to paper, I don't know. Because I just, we've seen... They, we've seen well, how, okay, let's go back to, like, previous players. Kawhi Leonard. Right. Said he was going to sign with the Lakers, then he signed with the Clippers. God, who who said who said they were going to be a what, what was it? They were going to be on their team for life, and then like the next year they at requested a trade. <laughs> Damian Lillard, <laughs> Damian, yeah, Damian. So so but, but, things change in the NBA very very fast. Is it but, a good sign? Yes. Is it a guarantee? Hell no. But to an extent, you have to look at it through the lens of age, right? So. Pascal Siakam is like 29. 29? He's, 29. Yeah. He's going to be 30 at the start of next season. This is probably his last big contract. Now, granted, Pascal Siakam's game, he's a freaking Beyblade. It, it's a game that's going to translate well to age. I don't think he's going to have a huge fall off. I think as he ages, he will slow down. Absolutely. Yeah. But I don't think his game is physically demanding. But I, I, this is his last big contract. He's not getting another one after this. So I think the team that offers him the most money is going to get him. I don't think he's going to... He's already got a championship. 
I, I think it's just going to be a game of money. And I think the team that traded for him is obviously they have his bird rights. They can offer him the most years and the most money. It, it, it's almost a foregone conclusion that if a contract is offered, unless they lowball him, which would be absolutely stupid to do because you're a small market or medium it would market also team. Be so pacers to do, but go on. It really wouldn't. And I'll tell you why in a minute. But it would set a precedent for future free agents that, you know, we're going to lowball you on your next contract. And I don't think the Pacers would do that, given the fact that it's difficult to attract free agents to Indiana. Um, that said, from what? Job, you finally I've always admitted it. No, I've always said that. I've always said that this is a team that has to be built through trades and drafting. Free agency is tough. I don't think it's impossible. And again, I'll talk about that in a second when we get to Pacers. Um, from the Raptors, in a vacuum, I don't like this trade. I think it's a C plus maybe just because the picks are later. Now, granted, to be fair to the Toronto Raptors, ever since, um, who's their GM now? Is it Wagner still? I would have to look that up. I think it's Bobby. I think Bobby is still there. Um, da, da, da. Raptors GM. Bobby Webster. Um, you know what I was saying? Wagner. So Bobby Webster, since he's been with the organization, he was he became the GM in, I want to say, 2017, but he was part of their front office in 2015. Since he's been with the team, they have had a lot of success drafting in that 20 to 25 range because, I mean, OG Ananobi was 23, Pascal Siakam 27, um, uh, what's his name? DeLon Wright, number 20. Like, DeLon Wright, obviously, <laughs> you name those other two and then DeLon Wright, there's a big fall off, but DeLon Wright has established himself as a quality NBA player. I think the Raptors are just very good at player development and then and seeing, like, what a player could be before they're drafted and right. utilizing the raw talent. And they have now a very good young team. And I think that, like you said, they're good at developing players and they've got assets that they can flip elsewhere now. Yep. Um, at, so I said at in a vacuum, I don't like this trade for the Raptors. When you take both trades, the OG Ananobi trade and the Pascal Siakam trade, I think they get an A minus maybe an a like i said I've, I've been saying this for weeks now the toronto raptors look like a team who are trying to get to be a Kawhi leonard signing away from competing yeah. they're trying to develop those players so that they can be quality players and if not quality depth pieces so that when when you get that star you got the stuff around it to facilitate it and i i think they've already got that star I, I think that Scotty Barnes is Scotty the Barnes. future. He's the future of the Toronto Raptors. You add these players because the first trade was all players, no draft capital. The so, second trade was all draft capital. And Bruce Brown, who's a decent NBA player, but I I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't flip him um, for more draft capital. Sorry, you were saying. They actually have a lot of really interesting. They they have very good depth in the making. Absolutely. Um, since the is my OG boy Anna... Grady Dick getting getting more minutes now? He actually had a really good play last night. I'll send it in the group chat. Um, since the OG Ananobi trade, 
Since the OG Ananobi trade, RJ Barrett has averaged 21, 7, and 3 on 50, 40, 70 shooting splits. Quickly, he's averaged 19, 5, and 5 on 42, 47, 85 shooting splits. Young players opened up the draft capital for Pascal Siakam. Now, again, had the Raptors made a trade with Pascal last summer, like I think we all thought they were going Boys, to. Boys, we're getting 12 minutes a game. Let's go in the last two games. Since last summer, I, I think they would have got a lot more as a return. Given that they traded him as a six-month rental, the return is decent. I think that the package of assets they got back for OG Ananobi and Pascal is a net win for them. So, like you said, it feels like they're building a team that's going to be one piece away from being a legitimate contender. Now, for the Pacers, there's no way this isn't an A. Minimum. Right? So, think about it. Let, let's talk about it from specifically the fit. Okay? So, the Pacers are historically... Now, point inflation aside. Historically, this is the highest pace offense of all time. Right? Yes. Okay. Do you know how many Pacers players are in, like, the top 20 of fast break offense players in the league right now? Probably, like, six. Zero. This is a team team effort. Do you know which player is in the top 10 fast break point production of of the season? Pascal Siakam. Interesting. So you're adding a much higher tier offensive threat to a team that's already an offensive threat. Now... Pascal, obviously an upgrade over Obi Toppin, who's been starting at the four, and Jalen Smith, who's been also starting at the four when they realize Obi Toppin doesn't really play defense. He should play for us. Offensively, this is the perfect fit for Miles Turner, right? You remember when we had Sabonis and Turner? Yep. They tried to force it to work. They tried to force it to work over and over again. So when... The Toronto Raptors were in the market a couple years back for Kevin Durant. Do you remember those rumors? Yes. So Kevin Durant was the player Pascal Siakam wanted to play with the absolute most. Do you know who the second player was? Like who his second option was for his most wanted to play with player for fit? Tyrese Albert. No, Miles Turner. Miles Turner. Well, Miles Turner and Pascal, their their play styles really do play off each other. On paper, we obviously have never seen them play together, but on paper, they're gonna translate pretty well together. Um, just because of how they both play. Now, Pascal's not an elite three point shooter. Miles Turner for a, his position. Is up there. The floor spacing is going to open up Pascal's offensive game a lot more. Um, Really, this will show other players that are considering Indiana what Tyree... I read an article today, because I was reading about the trade this morning, and it said that this 
is the Joe Burrow effect. So maybe that'll make sense to you. Where now suddenly it does make sense to me. Now suddenly, because of this player being such a talented playmaker, people want to come to the city for the first time. Okay, so that's not what they're saying, my boy. I hate to break it to you. What What are they saying? So the Bengals, because I'm a Bengals fan, the Bengals historically were a very, very, very cheap organization. I'm talking like barely active in free agency and when they were active active they like scooted guys who could they could get on bargain deals and try to make something out of their bread and butter the Bengals bread and butter before they drafted joe burrow was the draft and keeping the guys they had on the roster post joe burrow the Bengals have been more aggressively signing people in free agency and being more active in the offseason what they're trying to say is Tyrese Halliburton might be a player that moves the needle for ownership to be more aggressive via trade and via free agency. I guess that would be fair, but would you not say, because as great as Tyrese Halliburton is, Paul George is pretty nice too. And I think it's a tie. But Paul George isn't Joe Burrow. Or Paul George isn't Tyrese Halliburton. That's what I'm saying. So, I'm not saying Tyrese Halliburton is miles better. I'm saying Tyrese Halliburton has gotten ownership to open the, their pockets where Paul George couldn't. Okay, so you're saying that Tyrese just like rolled a charisma check and got a nat twenty. Yeah, he got he got a nat twenty on his charisma. Okay. Yeah, uh, nerd jokes. Um, I guess that's fair. I I do think that a lot of it has to be tied into just his play style because yeah. it it. Pascal has said like he's excited to play with Tyrese, and I I don't know if you're a scoring player, you're going to be excited to play with a legit playmaker, someone that strives to make his team better. On the floor, it should work out pretty well. There's already like nicknames popping up. I have all those nicknames must be terrible. Pascal Burton is pretty nice. Pascal Burton. Pascal is pretty nice. Um, so Haliakum. Haliakum. Oh, that sounds Hallie weird. Yeah. I don't like exactly. that. That, sound, that sounds like a like lung illness, um, <laughs> or like something that comes out of your lungs when you cough. Um, so before we, because I haven't, we haven't got your grades for these trades yet. Do you think that this has, like, the way the Pacers have done this, because I know you're not a fan of how the Pacers are run at all. I know. Do you think this kind of was a proof of concept? Because the Pacers never, they never bottomed out. They were always competitive, and they just built. And I think that even if you don't like the way the Pacers did it, Kevin Pritchard has got to be in the running for executive of the year. He built a team because the only players on the team that were drafted were Miles Turner back in 2015, 2014, whenever that was. Um, Andrew Nimhard was a second round pick and Jarris Walker. Every other piece on this team, whether it's Obi Toppin, Aaron Neesmith, Buddy Heald, Tyrese Halliburton, um, Jordan Nawara until he was gone, TJ McConnell, like, Oh, and Benedict Matherin was drafted. Every piece on this team was traded for or signed in free agency. Very few signed in free agency. 
Yeah, as you would. Who would want to go to Indiana? Right, that's what I'm saying. So I feel like the Pacers model of team building as a small medium market team, it's a proof of concept. It works. You you have to buy into actual roster construction. So do you agree with that or, or is your hatred of the Pacers team building style so great that you uh disagree? Cuz I feel like it's worked. It's worked ish. Keep the Pacers have never been in position to legitimately contend for the number one spot. Just they've they've hovered in that zone of mediocrity while they've built this. Always giving entertaining basketball, not like the kind of thing where you're in the running for the worst record of all time, middle of the packed late lottery. Mm-hmm. It worked, right? Because Ish. After the Pascal Siakam trade, does this move the needle for you on the Pacers in terms of first round exit, second round exit? No. You still think they're a first round exit? Probably, yeah. Okay, fair. Um, I disagree just because depends I depends on that... matchup and depends on seeding, but probably. I just think that the besides Boston, Milwaukee, the Pacers have beaten. Milwaukee five um, of the six times this season. Yeah, Pacers and, that's mattered, and that's mattered so much that on the last episode you had to add a, a bunch of caveats to a potential Pacers Bucks first round matchup. With that same note, 76ers. I, I think the 76ers and the Celtics are the biggest threats. I think the Pacers got their answer because in the playoffs oh. it's going to come down to Giannis and Pascal Siakam has historically fared pretty well defensively against Giannis. Now he's not the can... same he's yeah. not the same defender that he was a couple years ago, but he's still a solid defender. And I think you needed someone with size that could guard Giannis while letting Miles Turner be Miles Turner because Miles Turner was getting the Giannis matchup and it was completely a terrible match. Now you have someone that you can actually put one on one against Giannis. Miles Turner can do Miles Turner things. If anything, I think this has made the Bucks matchup more in the Pacers' favor. I don't think they have an answer against the Celtics, and they definitely don't have an answer against the 76ers. But besides that, yeah, a healthy Cavs team is scary. I'll say if the Cavs ever get their head out there, so maybe they can well, and, and, the Pacers. But that's so a I coin have, flip to me. I have that's an actual point. interesting stat. Um, Mobley and Garland have been injured for quite a while. They are 11 and 3 with a six game win streak currently, an average margin of victory of 22 without Mobley and Garland. And I, Mitchell's obviously the best player on the Cavs. Yes. But the most valuable player is probably Mobley. Yes. So without your most valuable player and your probably second scoring option. Oh, God. We just murked the Bucks. Yeah. 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 That's what I'm saying. Like, it's. The Cavs are scary, and I, I think we all had them in our early like preseason predictions. I think we all had the Cavs as a dark horse candidate to go all the way. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. That said, I think the Pacers and the Cavs kind of match up well against each other. I think that would be kind That's of a, a coin flip. Up. Yeah, I yeah that, that one's a coin flip. So as long as the Pacers aren't getting the Sixers the or the Celtics... 
So as long as the Pacers aren't, I want to see that matchup. The That's the matchup I want to see. I want, I want to see Bucks Pacers just because of all the drama around the game ball, the in-season tournament, like all of it. I want that matchup, whether the Pacers win or lose, like that's going to be a great series. You know, you're a playing team right now, homie, right? How far back? The East is tight right now. Like half a game, yeah. And the team just got better and Halliburton's been injured. We were the fourth seed locked in. Three days ago. Funny so, enough like, that the season ended today. Uh, that you'd be playing the good old Hawks. That would be an interesting matchup. I'd pick you. I'd, in a heartbeat. I know you would. But there, there's, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute because there's still trades to happen there. Oh, okay. Um. So grading these trades because I'm a biased fan, right? I I, yep. I have stake in the Pacers, so. From my perspective, and I, I was trying to be impartial, the C and the A, do you agree with those? How would you grade each team? For Pacers, I'd say B plus or A minus. Okay. And for the Raptors, I'd actually go all the way up to a B minus or a B. Really? Yeah. You value assets more than I do, too, to be fair. Yes. For um, sure. And Raptors' history of being able to draft. No, they draft really well late in in the first. Yep. And you can always flip those assets for other assets. That's the nature of the league. Um, Do you agree that Kevin Pritchard probably deserves at least a nomination for Executive of the Year, given the team he's built? And the fact that as of the preseason... All of us, including the Pacers homer here, wrote them off as at best a play-in team, and now we're talking about them potentially competing to get out of the East, even if they won't do it. The talent is there. I'd like to see how they finish the season, but yeah, as far as the way it's been constructed, for sure. Um, So, Pascal Siakam's probably the biggest name on the trade market. This season, it's weird that it already had, but the market's now been said like there's no question about it. The next big names that are probably going to fall are Deontay Murray. um, Zach Levine. I feel like I'm forgetting someone, but none of that matters because two years ago, if you told me Kevin Durant was available. From Brooklyn. Uh, it would have been crazy, right? For sure. But then, two was it like three days before the deadline? Everything kind of fell apart. Yep. So a Brooklyn lot could happen. Yeah, true. A lot could happen between now and the deadline, but I think the next big piece is Deontay Murray. Now, Deontay Murray has a insanely great contract for trading. Mm-hmm. Great production on both sides of the ball, offensively and defensively. Best play, best point guard in the Hawks. Why do I put myself through this? I could have just not talked about a player from the Atlanta Hawks. That would have been you could have. So the the link team is the Los Angeles Lakers. That's the most recent. Ooh. I've heard. 
the Lakers will not trade Austin Reeves for DeJounte Murray. That's interesting. That's asinine. Yeah. The asking price for DeJounte Murray is only two first-round picks, supposedly. I don't know if the Lakers have two first-round picks to give. <laughs> Do they not? I don't uh, know. Feels like they don't. Another team that's been interested is the Brooklyn Nets. I feel like it's really Why? hard to make a deal. I mean, Mikhail Bridges, DeJounte Murray. If you keep Mikhail in that trade, you have some pretty elite defense. You too, but... Mm. Um, oh, I dropped my mic. Hold on. Ah. Got it. Uh-huh. Okay, hold on. I'm adjusting my mic now, so you might hear some weird sounds because I dropped it off of my desk. Oh, we're used to it. You're the one who usually talks, so weird yeah. sounds is just my voice. You're course. right. Exactly. Powerful chords. Um. So uh, Levine, the Lakers fell through. That's the next big name, right? So the tier list. Really, OG was probably number two. The Lakers want everyone. The Lakers want everyone. And they want to give up nothing for it. Because the only piece of value they really have is Austin, Austin Reeves. Reeves. And they don't want to trade Austin Reeves. Yep. Can I interest you in a game, Vincent? So do you remember, like, <laughs> four years ago or whatever? It was right before LeBron got there when, like, every trade proposal you were seeing, like, in the Reddit sphere was, like... Taylor Horton Tucker in a first. Everything. Like, yep. Lakers fans legitimately thought that was going to get them, like, any player on the market. Because who sure. doesn't want THT? Quite honestly, they should have moved THT. Because, granted, I don't, I don't think it's as ridiculous as Reddit said it was. But there was definitely a time where THT was hyped up where you could have gotten... A very, very good NBA player, like a starter-worthy NBA player for THT and a little bit of draft compensation. But was he hyped up yeah. because he was actually good? It was or the Lakers. Was he hyped up because it was yeah. the Lakers, yeah. It was the Lakers, yeah. It's the Lakers. Lakers players are going to be hyped. It's like the New York Yankees of baseball. Like, sometimes you just got to get some players, develop them, hype them up, and then send them out for players you actually want. <laughs> and then you bring Lakers them just don't want to do that. Huh? And then you bring him back later. Yeah, Shout exactly. Um, I don't know who the next piece would be after that, though. Like, in terms of, like, Gabe relevant. Vincent. I'm talking about players that are potentially on the market. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Because okay, okay. the Pascal trade, obviously, it's a rental. Other players aren't, like... Deontay Murray is not a rental. Zach Levine's not a rental. Right. But the Pascal Siakam trade and the OG on the Nobi trade set the market. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's think more like... Which, how would you feel about a Knicks matchup post the OG on an Obi trade versus Pacers? Mm. I don't know. They're playing really I, good recently. I feel like they're really, really good, but like... The curse of the Knicks is real, my guy. Like, as scary as the Knicks can be, 
playoffs Knicks always find a way to screw it up. Hmm. They're like the Toronto Maple Leafs of basketball. Really, really good team. For whatever reason, drops the ball, metaphorically and literally. Metaphorically and literally. Um, I don't know. I just think that is there a is there a possibility that because the market has been set so low that these teams, the Atlanta Hawks, the Chicago Bulls, sit on their assets another year and trade them in the off season? Maybe, but yeah. why? Because if you're not going to get good value, it, like if this is the value, it's pretty mid. Because you're not I, wrong. I am in a complete disagreement about the Raptors getting a, what'd you say, B minus? Yeah. I just, I can't do it. It's not enough for a player of Pascal's caliber. And you're, you, you're you still know, on the Rudy Gobert train. That's been like half of the star player trades. Rudy Gobert wasn't worth that, absolutely. But I feel like that's closer to what we should see for a DeJounte Murray because DeJounte Murray is young. He's talented. He plays defense and offense, not just one. <laughs> Man, what did, what did Rudy Gobert do to catch strays? I don't know. Be French. You're French. Speaking of that, speaking of that, okay, okay. Do you have any pet peeves when it comes to, like, things around your ethnicity? What? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, okay. Is anyone you're related to from France? No. 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 Okay, so I'm in a different boat. Okay. So someone I am related to is from Italy, okay? Okay. So whenever I would have friends over, um, whenever they said the word Italian, in <laughs> fact, this was, br- this was brought up because someone asked if we had any Italian something. I was like, when I cringed, I cringed. But anyway, this person would always say, it's not Italy, it's Italy. So say it right. Every time someone would say that. So I just naturally have this pet peeve for Italian or idly Italian food. I guess so you had nothing only, like that. I so for me the only like annoying thing is like you see all the time people who failed high school history. Okay, they're like, oh, the French have never won anything. Blah blah blah. Whatever. Right. The white flag is the French flag. Like France has won more wars. France has won more wars than any other country. Like historically. You go to like World War II and everyone's like, oh, Germany steamrolled them. Yeah, absolutely. They steamrolled everyone. The Maginot Line they thought was impenetrable, and then Germany drove Creek through the Ardennes. Let's Creek well, no. is what it's that's so, called. Okay, we're we're doing we're doing no reserves history. So the Maginot Line was built after World War One, and it was designed to stop the Germans because it, it was the idea, like freaking Germany, right? Because at that yeah. point in time, it was not a great area of the world to be in in Europe. But they were like, ah, tanks are the future. There is no way 
the Germans would get tanks through the Ardennes. Well, the tanks got Germans through the Ardennes. Yep. You mean they the drove Germans up got the tanks through there. They surrounded everyone. Dunkirk, the Vichy French were formed. But, yep. like, the reason Dunkirk, because Dunkirk's, like, the only thing people know about because there was a movie about it. Yep. The movie did a really bad job at French representation and Polish representation and because the only reason the Dunkirk evacuations were able to be done was because of the rear guard, which was French and Polish, holding off the Germans long enough for the evacuation to happen. Everyone got steamrolled. Yeah, well, not only that, the British, like, tradesfolk also chipped in to supply boats so that yeah, they and, could bring their men home. And the Royal Air Force were just freaking badasses. Yeah. They didn't get enough credit. They actually got Here's a stupid question because I I've watched a few things on World War II and it seems like the the consensus there's two consensuses either Germany had no shot of winning or Germany shot themselves in the foot. Do you think Germany had any shot they if did. they didn't make some of the mistakes they made? Absolutely. So You think so? So one they <laughs> welcome to the derailing part of the episode where we go <laughs> yeah. completely off topic. So because there's multiple things Hitler did, like keeping his forces in Russia or not attacking after taking down the RAS bases. In so what had happened was during the appeasement and the phony war, uh-huh. Russia was like, ah, we want Poland. And Germany right. was like, ah, we want Poland. And they agreed, let's just take Poland. We'll split it in half, right? Yeah, they split it in half, yeah. So had Hitler just kept leading the Germans west. They probably were unstoppable until the Americans entered the war and then it would have been an absolute bloodbath and, you know, we have patriotism, but like who is to say who would have won that war because you would be walking into the... We've never had an attack on U.S. soil from a foreign entity. But So you don't know how that would work. Where Hitler screwed up and where the German leadership screwed up, and mostly Hitler, because German leadership was competent, Hitler was not, and they were just were afraid of questioning him. Right. Again, welcome to No Reserve's basketball podcast. Um, was he decided to double-cross Stalin? He, he was like, ah, I'm going to do the thing that has worked so great historically for... Like, Napoleon did it and screwed up and opened a front on Moscow in the winter. You just don't do that. But Napoleon had different reasoning than Hitler. Like, Hitler kind of needed the resources in Russia. That's why, that's part of the reason why he attacked Russia. It was also part of his plan eventually because he needed lemons wrong. He needed more land. Yeah. But it was, it, it was, don't do it in the winter that was he didn't do it in the winter no the attack on moscow was in the winter for france no the the initial attack was not in the winter the initial attack was no, in the summer Barbarossa and he had planned summer. for the attack to be over by the winter and that didn't happen and he didn't retreat he, after no. that information was retreat but to him. you shouldn't when you have a western front that is as much of a meat grinder as it was, and then you open the Eastern Front, you're splitting your forces, you're screwing yourself over, because like, your whole plan is to basically dominate the world. 
right. let it take some time. I'm, I'm not <laughs> giving fair. ideas. I'm just saying, like, they shot themselves in the foot because multiple times, like, like, even going as far as Operation Overlord, D Day. Yep. The Supreme Commander of the Western Front was Erwin Rommel, who is arguably one of the greatest military minds of all time. He was on vacation when Operation Overlord happened. How much would that have changed the battle? Like, I don't know. There was just a lot of, like, really bad decision-making by German leadership, and it all stemmed from the fact that they didn't want to upset the Fuhrer. Um, the person in charge of the Operation over, like, the defense of the Normandy beaches was um, Kreis. And he was ordered by Adolf to basically fight to the last man. And he is one of the only people to actually refuse an order. And he retreated and they actually were able to hold off the allies for a lot longer because of that. Had he stayed, they all would have been massacred. Hitler was charismatic. He wasn't exactly a genius, especially when it came to like military tactics what are we doing kind of crazy because he served in the german military in world war one so there that's so i'm going to the allies right the americans so the 101st airborne infantry right probably the most decorated unit during the war they fought in every freaking battle on the western front when they were organized and if you watch band of brothers you'll see this character it's played by david schwimmer um captain herbert Solbor. he's the one that trained easy company he was their captain and commander for the early parts of the war had no idea what he was doing was awful at his job but was a good motivator of people most of the men of easy company say that he's the reason they were as good as they were but they hated him because he they thought he was going to get them killed because he didn't he had no sense of direction he had no sense of tactical acumen kind of the same thing like you can be a good leader of people and not a good strategic leader makes sense yeah it makes sense i have no idea what we're doing i have literally no- <laughs> Like, if you're still listening to this and you tuned in for a basketball <laughs> podcast, welcome. Thank you. Um, okay. I don't even know how we... Oh, you asked about French heritage, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's how we got to World War Two. Angela French D. heritage. <laughs> but no, the whole... Um, cluster that was the western reaction because that never should have happened but neville chamberlain's appeasement was probably the dumbest thing that's ever happened in the history of ever where it was just kind of like just keep telling germany to stop and we're really serious this time you keep doing that and they're just going to keep going and that that was what happened um Really, that man is largely responsible for it getting as out of hand as it did, as quickly as it did. 
Yeah. And like the the U.S. refusing to get involved until Pearl Harbor, which I get it. Like prior to World War II, the U.S. was entirely isolationist, and we would not yep. have been able to mobilize like the strength of force that we did without Pearl Harbor, because like there's been a few times in history where something has happened to the U.S. Because like you said, we've never been actually attacked during war on well we have like there's been chinese firebombs back during or J japanese firebombs during during world war ii um they were very ineffective but so when something does happen on u.s soil whether it was pearl harbor or 9-11 like there's this kind of patriotism that kicks in even from people that are not necessarily historically patriotic yep. and it mobilizes people in a way that nothing else does and if you're not from the u.s like it, it does seem a little strange because stuff like that happens in this country just immediately like it doesn't matter your political origins like everyone is just together and that's kind of what happened yeah we're a shit show until something goes down then we're like you did what now <laughs> there's an old robot chicken episode where they're like the countries are all children in like a play school and like Germany keeps doing stuff and Japan keeps doing stuff. And the kid that represents America has sunglasses on. He's like, Oh, that's not my problem. And then the kid that represents Japan is like flying around a play fake airplane and he crashes it into the kid's milk. And he's like, all right, now it's my problem. Horribly that's us. Um, that's us. We get, let's get back to basketball. Um, so there was an interesting thing. So you've heard me, you know, if in, in the chat, you've heard me. So one of my favorite book series is the wheel of time. I, I'm an avid reader yeah. and there's a TV show now for the wheel of time. I, absolutely. Um, proud of it. So this does convey into basketball. So just give me a second, bear with me here um whatever so, you need to tell yourself to sleep the, the wheel of time was written largely by robert jordan the first like 15 books of the series were written by robert jordan now Say robert first jordan 15 books right 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 so robert jordan passed away before the series was finished okay there's an author named brandon sanderson who writes other books and him and robert jordan were friends Sanderson was a fan of the book series. When Jordan's health started to fail, he gave the like all of his notes to Sanderson and his wife and basically said, you know, if I don't finish this, I want you to finish it. George R. R. Martin should be taking notes, by the way. Um, oh, no. So Brandon Sanderson finished the books and it, it's not you can tell the difference in writing style. I'm not saying Brandon Sanderson's a bad writer by any means. He's very, very talented. It's just a shift in the style, right? But it kind of helped propel Brandon Sanderson's fame. So he writes another book called The Stormlight Archives. So he's he had a quote today. I am writing an entire series called The Stormlight Archives about a world where the gravity is a little less. People are quite a bit taller than on our planet. There's a group of people called the Edge Dancers 
that I think Victor Wembanyama fits quite well into. So Victor Wembanyama uh, is now a canon character on another planet. Now, awesome, awesome. Th- why this is relevant is Victor Wembanyama is actually a huge Sanderson fan. He's a huge reader. He actually reads before every game from what I've heard. Um, so there was a book by Brandon Sanderson called The Words of Radiance, which uh, recently Wimby was reading while he was in bed. And he had to stop himself from finishing it because he wanted to save it for game day. So he wanted to finish this book the morning of the game. So he woke up the next morning, finished the book before facing the Pistons, and that was the day he put up his first triple-double. So, all of those comments make sense. Sure they do. Absolutely. So, question. Uh Uh-huh. So why did he say finishing the book for the Pistons and not, I don't know, the spitball in here, a competitive team? Because the Spurs are just above the Pistons. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. That was a close game. <laughs> but... I think that having a face of the NBA, because barring, God forbid, injuries, Wimbenyama will probably be one of the faces of the NBA for the foreseeable future. Yeah. Having someone who's actually a nerd be the face of the NBA, I think is going to help kids a lot because like, he's going to make things like reading cool. Because I remember like, not early in LeBron's career, but like right after the Miami Heat days when he was trying to be deep and mysterious and like they would show him in the locker room reading a book, but he's like one page into the book and it was always just one page and you'd never actually see him like reading a book, but he was trying to be, you know, cerebral. Uh-huh. I, I think the fact that Wemby... That's can... actually kind of funny because I think LeBron James is one of the... Like as far as a basketball court goes... He is probably one of the most cerebral NBA players. Oh, absolutely. But when you're, he's trying to convey the image Uh versus like just doing it. Like Wimby, like, have you ever heard of a book called Words of Radiance? It's nerds. It's high fantasy, my guy. Like, it's a, I, I think it's good for the league as a whole um scrolling through my notes hold on well you're telling me that was a fucking note um well not really it was just uh okay it was popped up um i was was about to say you went through that whole elaborate story about victor Wembanyama reading a book before Uh a pistons game and i'm and i'm just trying to envision what that note looked like um, it really just said Wemby Sanderson because, <laughs> like, Wemby's... I remembered what it was. Where did you could have at least been more creative? Wemby saves the Spurs by reading. And look, if you need <laughs> motivation to beat the Pistons this year, you're in some dire straits, my guy. Um, <laughs> DMZ Sports reports Oklahoma City guard 
Josh Giddy will not face charges stemming from a police investigation into whether he had an improper relationship with an underage girl. Now, whether he'll face charges or not, that that's whatever. He had an improper relationship with an underage girl. Full disclosure. Like, I played devil's advocate. And I was saying, you know, you know, it's not that weird because they're not that far apart. And like he did. He's only 21 and she's 17 or whatever. Like, it's not that weird to me. It's just weird because he's an NBA player. Right. But it still is an improper relationship with an underage female. Um, Regardless of whether or not he's guilty of anything, it, it was improper. Um. So going back to the OG or the Pascal trade. So the Pacers were trying to actually get OG and Pascal in the same trade, but it never was able to fall through. So this, I, I don't know why I have this so far down in my notes because I, I went through everything earlier, but I think I copy and pasted at the wrong spot. So my bad. Um, This kind of highlights what I've been talking about with you uh, both here on the podcast and outside of it where the Pacers ownership seems finally willing for the first time to actually spend money because had they brought in OG Ananobi and Pascal Siakam, that's a lot of money. Um, Does this shift your perspective on the Pacers over the next couple seasons? Not necessarily now, but it doesn't. You don't think that them being willing to spend will make a difference? I got to see a playoff run first. Dude. No, that, that's what I'm saying. I'm not saying like with the I'm saying the thing that stopped the Pacers from getting Anthony Davis, who at that time was in his early 20s and an MVP candidate. The only thing that was stopping them because he wanted to come here was ownership's reluctance to spend money. Now that ownership is willing to spend money, has a face of the franchise in Tyrese Halliburton. Has a solid core now with throw the D twenty on his charisma. Has a solid core with Tyrese Halliburton, Benedict Mathurin, Pascal Siakam, and Miles Turner. I I'm just saying, like I I think that might be the title of the episode. What? Natural Tyrese Halliburton rolled a D twenty on his charisma. A natural twenty. A natural twenty. This is a really nerdy episode. I actually it is. A... It is a very very nerdy episode, dude. It's weird. Do you want but... to talk about the intricacies of a two-three zone now? <laughs> <laughs> two-three zone is mid. It's overrated. This guy. There's a reason why it's the only time. So, when was the last time you saw a two-three zone played in an NBA game? I can tell you when it was. I just want to know if you can think off the top of your head, because we talked about it on this podcast. There was a playoff team that intermittently ran it. Was yes, it the Miami Heat? It was the Miami Heat. Um, and it was because they suck. But oh, no, man. But there's a reason why typically when you're coaching or playing basketball as a child, you learn how to play a zone as a kid. You play it through middle school, you play it a bit in high school. If you're a bad college school you typically play zone sometimes and then, and then you never play zone in the nba because it it 
zone is way too susceptible to like a two, three zone. Like you get on the freaking free throw line and the zone is completely broken. Kind of. Yeah. No, it is completely broken. If you have a player in the low block and a player at the free throw line, your zone as a two, three is broken three, two. eh, It's questionable, but you have to end up leaving a corner open and a skip pass. And then a corner three, like it's, it's a terrible system that relies on the fact that offensive players don't know what they're doing. When you get to a high level of basketball, which would be the NBA, those guys know what they're doing. I would hope. So, yeah, no. 2-3 zone, overrated. 3-2 zone, okay. overrated. 1-3-1 one, one zone, ridiculously overrated. Oh! He's the only zone I think... The only zone I think you could actively utilize if you were a bad defensive team would be the box plus one where you have a. This is my hot take. This is, this has nothing to do with the actual NBA, but I think if like people on 2k learned the box plus one, it would be the most used zone in program. That's that's all I'm saying. Absolutely. You have a designated defender for the best player on the other team and then everyone else is in zone. Yep, yep, yep. It just makes too much sense, but people won't do yep. it because it's like in more complicated in two K it's, it's not straightforward. It's not straightforward. That's that's why. In two K, like people don't really know basketball. They know how to run at the like Playing random rec, like you question why I don't like playing it, but like go play a game by yourself, go into rec without a squad and watch your teammates. I have it's so bad. You like you have people going like one for 23, which granted, like you shoot for that for sometimes, but my man. Did you see the box score of our last two games? I didn't actually. I graded out <laughs> of both of them. Of both of them, actually. We had one shooter go one for seven and another go two for eleven. It's not mm-hmm. any different. I'm sorry, my dude. It's not oh, any it's so different. different. It's so much. It's different. not any different. No, because like half the time the there's person... slightly more cohesiveness. Other yeah. than that, it's not that much difference. And half the time, the guy that's going one for 22 in random rec is, like, never coming back on defense. He just stays on the other side of the floor. That's also that not that much different. That's a choice. That's not much different than what we do. It's a little different. It's not really. Apparently, DeAndre Ayton got frozen in his house. Like, they couldn't get out. What? Yeah. Like, there was so much ice in his neighborhood, he couldn't get out of it. The team actually sent a group of people to try to get out I was about to say, this multi-millionaire couldn't afford heating? No, like, not like he froze to death. That would have been, like, the first thing we freaking talked about. (laughs) No, not he froze to death. Oh, I guess that would be... Anyway, go on. 
Um, in last night's game, Scotty Barnes scored or assisted on 18 of 19 fourth quarter points to close out the game. Again, the Scotty era is here. Yeah, definitely here. Um, LeBron sent Kyrie Irving to the locker room because he basically pretended he was a cornerback. He tried to intercept the pass from Kyrie and tackled him. Kyrie went to the locker room. Uh, no update on injury status. Almost like this could be a lesson that you take, Bren. Mm-hmm. So when you have a guy and he's bigger than you and you're uh-huh. smaller, maybe, uh-huh. may, just maybe, you shouldn't go at the guy who's bigger. I know LeBron. LeBron checked him. But maybe, just maybe, when you're the smaller guy, you might just want to not go at the guy who's stronger, who's bigger and stronger than you. <laughs> There's just a maybe. video of Joel Embiid riding a carousel. <laughs> That's funny. Sorry, you were talking, so I blacked out. Uh-huh. Um, I need some alcohol. It's 3 p.m. That means I need more alcohol. Granted, I... I, I can't say anything already. No, no, you can't. Um, no, you can't. LeBron ran off the court after um, the Lakers win. Didn't stop for any interviews or anything. Ran out of the arena because he had to catch his son's game. Respect. Like, literally, he ran out of the arena. Um, good dad. Good dad. Yeah, good dad. That's all I can say. And... Oh, I yeah, think what you're saying is we might want to end this episode. We should have ended it a while ago. We should yeah, have done probably. all these notes instead <laughs> of going on a World War II tarot. Because that was a little <laughs> weird, but I was here for it because uh, I, I love history. Yep. Um, I'm just scrolling real quick because I did have more notes, but yeah, they weren't things. That, hey, wow, rude. Yeah. Um, They weren't notes that I, like, fleshed out. So... Oh. I really really did expect really flushed out notes from the guy who put Wemby South Bar or whatever the the writer's name is. Sanderson. Sanderson, sorry. That wasn't fleshed out notes. That was supposed to be early in the episode. Uh Uh-huh. So, if if you rewind... You'll hear me start talking about the Pacers again and saying, wow, I screwed up and I hit pace too early. All of that was supposed to be the first part of the episode. It was supposed to be the random notes. But homie, my notes for each episode are a tome of madness. They are just all over the place. I try to keep them together so things like that don't happen. But they happen today because I did it last night before I fell asleep or finished it last night before I fell asleep. Brooklyn Nets were three and fourteen since starting the season thirteen and ten. Uh, Patrick Beverly, yeah, I forgot about this one. So Patrick Beverly was asked what the keys to slowing Jamal Murray were. Do you want to know what he said? What did he say? There's no key. I've been locking his ass up for years. Do you know what he he was then asked what his approach to guarding a guy like Murray was? Do you know what his answer was? Step onto the court. 
no approach, normal day. <laughs> so pretty much Patrick yeah. Beverly has Damian Lillard level confidence with Patrick Beverly level talent. Um on the defensive side, yeah. Uh, Goslin just tweeted, Bruce Brown, a prime candidate to get rerouted in another trade. He has a $23 million team option that would need to be declined for the Toronto Raptors to utilize their $32 million in cap space this summer. Most teams only need to send out $14 million to match for him. So likely Bruce Brown will be traded. and Probably for a first in the future. Uh, Trey Young on Wimbanyama. He has all Don't the tools to become the best player ever. The accolades and team accolades as his career goes on is what's going to determine that. No shit, Trey. Trey would say that. He has no aspirations to win championships either, I'm sure. Go on. Go on. Go on. Georges Niang had 33 points on 13 for 14 shooting from the field and 5 for 3 from deep last night. Are you going to accuse him of having a zen? You know, maybe. (laughs) Where did you think I was going with it when I started that sentence with Georges Niang? (laughs) Were you saying who? And you shouldn't because you're a Cavs fan, but the most people... Like, um, who? Oh, man. Zelo had a good night. Um, yeah, no, I got nothing else. I mean, I've got other things, but fuck your notes, dude. I, I, I have notes to like dunk on Austin, but Austin's not here and it doesn't feel right to That's do it. True. So, why would you even write notes to dunk on Austin? Call it cathartic optimism. Like at th- at that point, you might as well like push it onto a second folder and just call it a to do list. Well, hey, if you've made it this far, thank you. Hopefully, you enjoyed that derailment by Angelo. Again, I'm good at derailing. Um, when you check back in with us next week, we'll have more on the Pacers and Raptors because both teams will have played games after the trade. See if Austin or Angela's wrong about certain things. Normally he is. Um, oh, I I forgot to tell you. So um, we did the the playoff predictions right. in on the football podcast. So you know how good I was in the NBA one. Yeah. You're the opposite in the NFL one. I got I got two of the like six games right. If yeah, that, but if your bracket that. is done. Yeah, my bracket's done. How's Alex doing? Because I haven't listened. Alex to got everyone right except one. Was it the? Um... It was Browns Texans. Yeah. In fact, he was saying it before the start of the show. No one really talked about the Texans as a serious threat to the Browns. So it was kind of shocking to everyone. Yeah, because as Especially someone the way it happened. As someone that's not a football fan, I heard enough about that one to know that that was probably the one that... Did you get that one wrong as well? Yes. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, so thanks for listening. Uh, follow us on all socials at No Reserves. Like, comment, subscribe. Do all the fun things that we ask you to do every week. Follow us on Twitch as well. That will happen eventually. Yeah, sometime after a solar eclipse and a red moon happen together. The heat death of the universe is what I'm aiming for. Um, no. No, Go donate to Ren's Alcohol Fund. Have a great day, guys. (laughs) Not an alcohol fund. It's a party fund. Party fund. Yeah, that will be streaming on Twitch. Uh, Thursdays, join Angelo and Alex over at the Football No Reserves podcast. And on Tuesdays, make sure you've got the notification bell ring because we will have periodic Tuesday episodes going forward. Thank you all. Have a great rest of your week. That is a bomb that I'm not sure we're going to be able to, to stick to, but okay. A bomb.